0: Okay, as the children are in, I won't be speaking for a long, long time, uh, but we are in like week four, I think, of my, it's at least week four, maybe longer, I can't remember, uh, looking at the practice of uh, silence and the practice of solitude and prayer. So we're doing real well today. Yes, we are doing super well at silence and solitude today. Um, uh, So yeah, so we've been on a bit of a, a journey there, and each week there has... Well, not for the last few weeks, rather. The first few weeks, there wasn't. But the last few weeks, there has been a handout. And there will be a handout today as well. Whee! Uh, Which goes through, like, step by step, a simple prayer practice. Um, So was there anyone from last week who recalls what we talked about last week? Anyone at all? Huh? Emotions. Very good. Andy wins a prize. So last week, we talked about Emotions. And we talked about how we can uh, both um, cope with that and learn about what we're feeling, articulate what we're feeling, but also then bring those feelings to God. We learned about how it is good and right to have feelings, especially in our culture. We sometimes demonize our feelings. Uh, We make it like feelings are something bad to be repressed or gotten rid of or instead of recognizing that feelings are just uh, a way for our body and a way for our mind and a way for our spirit to communicate with us. So if we are feeling something, the idea is that we need to then do something. So if you have a feeling of fear, that might mean that you need to prepare for something. It might mean you need to run away from something. But the feeling of fear itself is a helpful, wonderful trigger for action. And the problem is when we have feelings and we don't do anything with them. Uh, So the exercise that we went through last week was about how to discern exactly what we're feeling so that we can best figure out how to respond and how we can bring those feelings to God. Uh, So today we're going to keep picking up from there. So last week one of the things I said is that I wasn't going to talk directly about anxiety. Uh, But today I am going to talk about anxiety because I think that's worth addressing. And no one here has ever had any kind of anxiety before. Uh, So I saved the one that people will at least identify with till the very end. So I'm going to jump in. I'm going to start with a quote, a similar quote from last week. In fact, the same quote from Greg Boyd, where he says all of our emotions are associated with the soundtrack and the movies that are running in our head. That's a neurological fact. Feelings are just the emotive side of our thoughts. So here's the thing. If we are feeling anxious, it's very likely that we are thinking anxious. The two are not completely separate. Uh, so when our feelings are simply the emotional response to our thinking, and we can precipitate our feelings by changing our thinking, and we can definitely change our thinking if we are experiencing feelings and, you know, they begin and end in the same place. So it is a, a cyclic thing. So to a, long, uh, to a large degree, we can control and manipulate even our feelings by really addressing and, and controlling our thinking. Now, obviously, there are times where we feel more overwhelmed and just thinking happy thoughts. Has anyone ever been really grumpy and someone's like, you just need to smile? Uh, that'll definitely fix it. Um, how effective was that? Uh, it's like the, you know, the same as I'm having, tr- I'm having trouble praying and you get told to just go pray about it. Um, I just I feel depressed. Well, then be happy. Um, or like if I can make you laugh, somehow that will magically fix your deep uh, grief or, um, you know, depression. Uh, That's not what I'm trying to suggest. And I do think that there is a point where you should, if you have been in a prolonged state of melancholy, despair, depression, anxiety, you should probably go and get that checked and maybe be on medication. Uh, I don't think that any prayer practice is a substitute for good mental health management. But I do think that part of good mental health management is solitude and prayer. So one of the things we looked at uh, in the last month is we looked at how Elijah, when he was very, very stressed out, because he just had this huge spiritual experience where fire fell from heaven and all of the prophets of Baal got destroyed by, you know, well, they killed them. That wasn't so great. But but he was like on this huge high. And then Jezebel's like, I'm going to kill you. And he freaks out, has a massive panic attack, runs off into the wilderness, sits down, prays and says, God, this sucks. Kill me. Like he gets fully at the end of his rope, And he is not coping. And then he falls asleep. And we kind of talked about how sometimes the best thing we can do for our um, spiritual life and the best thing we can do in terms of being ready to hear from God is to have a nap. Uh, And I know that doesn't sound very spiritual, but I think so often we are so exhausted. We are just perpetually tired. We live in a world that is just constant feedback from our phone and from the news and from um, things happening around us. It is just constant noise. We are constantly overwhelmed. And because of that, we are exhausted. And if we want to learn how to pray, if we will learn how to find peace and solitude, sometimes we just need to start with a nap. We need to calm down. Uh, and then an angel woke him up and fed him because it turns out we also need a snack. I think that a lot of the time we have low blood sugar or we are eating poorly and one of, the, one of the good things for connecting with God is just to manage our lives a little bit better, to sleep better, to eat better. And then Elijah, after having another snack and another nap, I think he, he went for a long walk. I think this is a good thing to do. All of the mental health experts that I know of and have read about all say eat better, sleep better and go for a walk. Um, and this is what we see in this story with Elijah, who is trying to deal with his massive panic attack and and his despair, thats take him to the point of wishing that God would kill him. Uh, he's in a pretty dark place. Um, and we looked at how even in scripture, being in a pretty dark place is an experience that many of the kind of great spiritual people of the Bible experienced. Lots of the prophets were mega upset some of the time. Uh, Job uh, was a dude who said, I wish I was dead. Jonah, same story. He says, I'm so angry with you, God. I wish I was dead. A different experience. I don't know. if I've been so angry. I wish I was dead. I've been so angry. I wish someone else might be dead. Um, but I guess Job was angry at God, and he's like, "Well, you're not going anywhere, so maybe I should." Um, Moses. Moses came down uh, when he was talking to God. He brought his prayers to God, and he's like, "These people you put me with suck so much. Uh, I can't believe you make me carry this. If this is what you intend to keep happening, please kill me." Uh, so it's pretty normal, actually, for for um, significant people of faith in scripture to become very anxious or depressed or angry. So in and of itself, we can see in the scripture that those experiences are normal. Um, So the first thing I need to say about anxiety is feeling anxiety does not make you a less spiritual person or a less mature person. It just makes you an anxious person. And if you can be on medication that will help that, fantastic. If you can have a nap and eat healthy and go for a walk, fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, But I would also like to, um, today, go through a prayer practice that may uh, help for some people. Uh, So we start out with just that idea that if we are feeling anxious, then we are probably thinking anxious. We need to take control of our thoughts. We need to not allow our, our catastrophizing of our thoughts to allow us to spiral into a crazy place. All of our emotions are associated with the soundtrack and the movies that are running in our head. That's a neurological fact. Feelings are just the emotive side of our thoughts. So by seeing and hearing and envisioning and proclaiming things that are true in our head, we begin to feel that truth in our body. One of the great things about prayer is that we can go to God and we can tell him how we feel and and hopefully... If we can listen and hear from him, he will tell us what's true. Because I think a lot of the time, the things that we complain about to God are not true. I think a lot of the time, the things that are making us anxious or the ideas, the, the visions, the pictures, the feelings that we have in our own mind and heart aren't connected to reality so much as they're connected to our perception of reality. And when we can bring those things to God, he can change our perception. And in changing our perception, it can help us to uh, change our feelings. Uh, Because Jesus, as our as our um, primary model for this stuff, he went to God. And I like to think that he was an external processor, except all the people around him were too dumb to understand what he wanted to say. Like we have a lot of evidence to suggest that he keeps getting cheesed off with the people around him for not getting it. So he would go to God and he would externally process that stuff Uh, again and again and again. We see Jesus seeking out solitude and prayer and and, and that place, the Eremos, the secret private place with God so he could pour out his heart and God could minister to him when he was most some happiness happening in the other room yeah. some loud happiness when he was most uh, upset about stuff when his circumstances did actually suck because I'm not saying that that when you're anxious it's just because you are completely fabricating that some of the time you probably are uh, but some of the time you you might actually be in a crap situation and have legitimate reason to be anxious or legitimate reason to be sad. Like with Jesus, uh, it says here in Matthew 14, it says, When Jesus heard what had happened, and he's talking about when his, um, when his good friend John the Baptist had been beheaded. Um, was, was John the Baptist his cousin? Yeah. yeah. When, he's, when his cousin has been beheaded, like it's pretty serious. He hears about this. and says, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. He just wanted to be alone. I don't know if you've ever been at the end of your tether and you're just like, I just want to be alone. And then hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Come on. I just, Jesus gets that. He understands that feeling. He just wants to be alone. He got in a boat and paddled out to a solitary place. And everyone's like, oh, sweet. Jesus is going out there. Let's go follow him. And when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. So I feel sorry for Jesus in this moment. It says, because he's a better person than I am. He had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Uh, and the story goes on. They get a bit hungry. And so he, he, uh, he feeds them. And then it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples. He's like, we're done here. We're out of here. He said, get in the boat and go on ahead to the other side. And he dismisses the crowd. And finally, after he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. So this is Jesus' go-to strategy when he was sad. And his go-to strategy when he wasn't coping with everything that was happening around him. Was to go and be alone to pray. Now, I think one of the big problems that we have when we are sad or anxious or, you know, in that place is we don't go and be alone to pray. We go alone to be isolated. We don't go alone to be with God. We go alone to be by ourselves, away from everyone, because we hate everything. And we allow our thoughts and our ideas and our feelings to fester. So instead of bringing those things before God so he can say something about that, we go away so that we can be stuck with them and we haunt ourselves. And we take our ideas and we make them into more strong feelings. We allow them to become worse. On the, uh, the night that Jesus was betrayed, after the, the Last Supper, it says here in Luke 22, that Jesus went out as usual. So this was a practice of his. It wasn't a once off when he was feeling anxious. He had a practice. He, as usual, he went to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples followed him. And on reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Now, he is really, really stressed. Like, I'm pretty stressed. I got a few exams in the next week that I'm really not ready for. I'm pretty stressed about that. But Jesus is like, I'm going to be whipped and beaten and tortured and killed. He probably had a little bit more stress going on right there. And he prays, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And he takes his concern and he takes his freak out and he takes his anxiety about a very real thing that's happening to him. And he offers it to God. And then, I mean, he's Jesus, I get it. But not only does he offer it to God, he says, if this is what you will, I will go through with this. I don't know if you've ever taken your anxiety to God. Normally when you take your anxiety to God, you're like, take it away. Not, if I need to go through this, I will. Then in verse 43, it says, An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Now, I I wish that that was um, like that you would do this prayer practice and every time an angel would turn up and strengthen you. That would be super neat. I don't understand how heaven and the kingdom of God works. I wish that that would just... How much simpler would it be if every time you prayed, an angel turned up? Um, I would have less doubt and more faith. Uh, I'm just being honest. I don't understand how that works. But Jesus was going through a reasonably severe experience and an angel turned up and strengthened him. But you see, this is... This is the as usual experience. Jesus went, he prays, he offers his concern to God and he says, God, if this is what you need though, I will do this anyway. And God comes and meets his need and strengthens him. And that is what we should expect. Perhaps not an angel, but we should expect that God wants to comfort us and God wants to bring us strength. And being in anguish, so it turns out that being strengthened didn't take away his concern. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. So Jesus would go before God and he would pour out his stuff and God would meet him in that place. Jesus had a practice, of a usual habit of seeking out solitude and silence and prayer. And here's the thing. In all of these, the, the two examples that I've read there, rather, uh, God didn't just miraculously fix Jesus' situation. And these were real issues. He really was grieving that John the Baptist was dead. And he really was anxious about what was going to come for him. And God didn't magically take away his problem. He said, when we go to God with our anxiety, you know, and we say, God, give me peace. He gives us a peace that passes our understanding. He doesn't take away the issue. If he was just going to take away the problem, then we wouldn't need peace that passes understanding. We would just have peace that is very understandable because we have no issue. (laughs) Peace that passes understanding says, yes, your problem still exists, but I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will help you to overcome. We can cast our cares onto God. See, God doesn't necessarily fix our problem in this time. But eventually all of the times that we've been ripped off, God wants to restore that to us. I mentioned this briefly last week, but this is why I love the Beatitudes message because Jesus is proclaiming what his kingdom is like because in his kingdom, we don't have that anxiety. But right now we do have an experience of this kingdom and in this kingdom, things go wrong and things aren't always good. And you know, the the righteous don't always get what's good and sometimes the bad do. And God rewards everyone with, you know, the rain and the sun and all that kind of stuff. It's like, what a rip off. You know, the the Bible says that the riches of the wicked are stored up for the righteous. And I'm like, well, the wicked are still rich. And the righteous, not always. And good people get sick. And things go wrong. And that sucks. And I don't understand it. But what I do know for sure is that Jesus says those who mourn will be comforted. There is a time coming and and in his kingdom that we can, to some measure, access and bring here. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In his kingdom, he wants to bring about comfort for those who mourn. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy and blessed So there is definitely challenge and struggle and grief and anxiety in this time. But I am confident that Jesus wants to restore all of the things that have been stolen and broken and robbed and all of the things that were wrong in this world. Jesus wants to fix those things. And if we are not in a place right now where we can see that full restoration of our society and and to see his kingdom come, I am confident that he can still comfort us and he can give us strength. So even though our circumstances might not change, I believe that he can give us strength to see those circumstances in a different way. Or maybe he can bring truth so that we can see the lie that we believe that isn't true and change how we perceive and see a situation. Uh, So I have an exercise today called Casting Cares. Uh, So we'll hand these out. Someone who's... Look at that, Sam. Sam's going to hand those out. So this is part three, I think, of the notes. Uh, So it starts out with some scriptures at the beginning. And uh, the first one is from Psalm 55. Does someone want to read Psalm 55 really loudly so that Anita can hear the recording?
1: Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken.
0: And that was great. You can keep going. Psalm 62.
1: (laughs) Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honour depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for our God is our refuge.
0: All in favour of Chris narrating the rest of my life. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm enjoying this, so why don't you just keep reading those scriptures for
1: us. (laughs) Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice! Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, write prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light.
0: You need to get a job with Audible or something. Yeah. So um, there was a while there, Luke's away at the moment, but there was a while there where Luke and Chris were turning up before church just to read the Bible out loud. And uh, now I know why. Uh, So that was a very cool practice that hopefully Luke and Chris will pick up again when he returns very soon from Europe. This week, great. Okay, so if you turn your page over now, we get to the practice. I made another attempt at getting my C's and S's for practice right. I I read somewhere that, that... I just can't get my head around it. It makes no sense. I'm a smart person, but... Yeah, I know that one's a noun and one's a verb, but I can never figure out which one's the noun and which one's the verb. I-C-E is a noun. I know, I know that. But when I read the practice, I'm like, is that the verb or the noun in that context? It could be both. I know! That's the problem! Because it's like the rehearsal. Yes, it is. But also it's like the practice. It's like It could be both. And it like... No, I want to just be American and just have one just have C's because I honestly I I spent way more time than I should have trying to figure out that but then I found somewhere that just said whenever there's a V in front of it make it a C and I was like done Um, the practice or a practice put a C that's basically what I thought so that's what I did Yeah.
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah I don't know how I got so far through schooling and not been able to figure this out. So uh, this time it says this one even has a list of things that you'll need. Look at that. It says you'll need a pen and paper. It says you'll need Eramis. Eramis is the, the secret place. That's the solitude, the silence, the prayer, the, the prayerful place, the, the wilderness. The um, Come on, we've been talking about this for a month. Eremus, that 's what that is it's the solitary place, the wilderness the, the quiet place, whatever you call it and time now i didn 't only edited these notes I stole them mostly from you can see from um, uh, from a website called practicing the way but it 's actually for i 'm going to remember their name it's killing me their name is um, it's terrible to church in America it's I've been t- yeah it's the same guys I stole the notes from the last few weeks or edited their notes from. That's terrible. I can't remember the name of their church. Now I feel bad. Um, I'll look it up later. Uh, Anyways, you can look it up there if you want. Uh, Now, they obviously have a much more disciplined church because it's like, this will take one or two hours. And I'm like, yeah, it will Uh, take one or two hours. If you can find 20 minutes, I'll be impressed with you. If you can do a half hour, then well done. If you can do an hour, would you like to preach next week? Um, If you can do two hours, wake up. (laughs) you've been napping. Um, uh, But definitely, they recommend that you have some time and I agree with that because the idea of this exercise, if you remember last week's prayer practice, was about uh, allowing your feelings to come to the front and offering those feelings to God. So again, this week, uh, the prayer practice, it's about bringing up those feelings, but also anxiety or any kind of grief or, like it's a, a deep feeling thing. And sometimes you need enough time to experience those deep feeling things and to work them through. So don't shortchange yourself with this. Don't be like, oh, it's an ad break. I'm gonna cast my cares on God. Um, <laughs> you know, and whip yourself up and do a frenzy. You did it during every break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that that qualifies as Aramis, really. Pressing mute doesn't really qualify. Uh, So it says, create for yourself a quiet space to meet with God. Uh, So that might mean early in the morning. It might mean late at night. It might mean you go to a mountain. It might mean you, like whatever your spot is, find a place. Find a a solitary place. Like Jesus, uh, what was his habit? It says, Jesus went out as usual to the mountain of olives. That was like, that was his spot. Set aside a modest time. Guys, they just said that to make us feel bad. On a particular day. We estimate this will take one to two hours. Yeah, that's a modest time. To be alone with God. Find a time and a place that is quiet and distraction free. Now, if you remember from the last few weeks, we've been teaching on about um, like just centering yourself and having a breathing prayer, which is where you sit and you breathe in and out and you focus on your breath and then you begin to focus on on the holy spirit on god being around you so instead of just your breathing you focus on god being around you and in you and and just breathing in and out and being in his presence so you practice the presence of god and you allow that experience um just assuming there are a bunch of people who are kind of trying to get into that zone right now instead of um having a nap but uh You just get into that space, do the breathing prayer, and then the abiding in the vine thing that we've been talking about is that idea of practicing the presence of God. Just allowing Him to be near and saying, God, I welcome you. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. And I want to be open with you, I want to be honest and true with you. I want to be able to share with you what is going on in my heart. And then it says, Now ask Him to show you areas of personal or relational fear or anxiety. So remember, today we really wanted to focus in on those big feelings especially when it's like our circumstances can't magically change. Fear, anxiety or grief, sometimes things are just crap and we need to say to God, things are bad and I I, I need comfort and I need strengthening and I know that you can't cure or fix these things but I know that you can be with me and you can help me and bring me strength. So ask him to show you that uh, fear or anxiety or grief or whatever it is, something associated with an experience of the past or something in the future that you were concerned about. Uh, Especially with past things, you can't fix something that went wrong in the past. But you can find peace about those things. And take your time and wait on the Holy Spirit. Now, it's really important you don't rush this bit. Allow yourself to sit and hear from God and to allow those experiences and feelings to come to your into your, um, into your mind, into your thinking, so that you can grasp hold of them and understand what God wants to say. It says, ask the Father to reveal any areas of unbelief in your life where you don't believe the Father will care for you. So this isn't saying um, come clean as an atheist or an agnostic. It's saying, is there any way where you really just think God will help me in this area, but not this other area? This is hands off. He doesn't get to touch this place. I don't know if you've got like a thing in your fridge that you keep putting back in the fridge because you don't want to deal with it and it's like right at the back of your fridge and you know that you know your partner has pulled it out and also put it right at the back of the fridge. No one wants to deal with that thing. Well this this is you want to open that Tupperware in front of God. You're not allowed to just toss it in the bin. You got to clean that sucker out and reuse it. You know what I mean? Like Have you ever had something in the fridge that was so gross, you're just like, that's it, I'm tossing the whole container? Wow, a lot of people are identifying with that. Right, (laughs) um, um, Well, that's your heart! (laughs) In your heart, there's a dirty, disgusting Tupperware. (laughs) I want you to take that out and just stop denying it and crack it open and breathe in the the grot. No, like, you know, just allow allow God to speak into that. The mouldy place in your heart. the place that, where your grief or anxiety has become sentient <laughs> and it's now speaking back to you. Have you been a at <laughs> <laughs> I have well, children. About I have things break? all over my house that are like that. <laughs> Jess has been away for two days and I'm still finding teacups that are growing. Um, <laughs> ask the Father to reveal any areas of, of, of fear undou- or, or doubt or unbelief where you think he can't help me with that. That is too, it hurts too much, it's too painful, it's too real, it's too, I just, I'm not dealing with that, and, I'll, and, and bring that thing out. And this is why you need your pen and paper, it says jot down these anxieties. Now it's not so you can frame it, put it on your fridge and think about it every time you, you, know, you walk into your, into your house. The point of this exercise is we're gonna, it's like a visualization exercise, and by physically doing something, it helps. You ever had that thing where you walk through a door and you forget what you would, why you walk through the door? Because literally in your brain, there is a thing that says, you leave something emotionally, you leave your thinking. And when you leave the room, you go to the next room, you forget, like if you're going to get something, you've you've forgotten it when you go through the room. If you go back through the door, you can remember it again. It's just something the way your brain works. So with that in mind, this exercise is going to be saying, how can we take our grief and our fear and our anxiety, bring those things to God and then leave them behind? And so part of the exercise to write those things down at this point in the process. Uh, if you remember from the first week, I think it was where we did a practice and we talked about sitting with Jesus and handing things over. That's what this exercise is like that. I talked for so long, you've probably already read all the way to the end. So it's like not a big secret anymore, but we'll get there. Drop down and list these anxieties or fears or griefs or whatever, um, whatever it is and write it down on your piece of paper. Um, And take a few minutes to reflect on what you've written. Pray, and this is the important bit, and visualize. Remember, our emotions are a product of our thinking. And for some of you, you have feelings and then you try to figure out your thinking. And for other people, you have thinking and it leads to emotions. And for some of you, you feel things and you never think a damn thing. And for other people, you think lots of stuff, but you can't seem to find your feelings. You've lost them. They're in the back of your fridge in that container. (laughs) This is an exercise where you go to God and you want to be able to get all of that stuff out. So if you're a really cognitive person that doesn't do feelings, say to God, I really want to feel. Because I can't get rid of these thoughts until I've experienced and felt that and felt the, the disconnect that happens when I hand them over to you. I really want to be able to move those things out of my fridge and get rid of them. So we visualize, we close our eyes and we say, even though it's weird, I trust that God is meeting me and that my emotions are not just like, you know, like you can convince yourself, well, all of my spiritual experience, I just made them up in my own head. It's really easy to do that. But here's the thing. God does want to talk to you and those experiences and emotions that you think you are making up in your head is actually the methodology and the method that God has planted and created inside of you to communicate with you. Yes, those experiences are happening in your head and in your imagination and in your feelings because God designed those things to communicate with you. But we trust that that is God wanting to communicate with us because that's what the Bible says. So we don't dismiss our feelings and say, well, I'm making them up. We embrace those as something that God has given us. We pray and we visualize. So we we see in our mind and we say, yes, this is weird, but I'm going to picture this because I want to connect with God. And I believe this in faith and I want to be with Jesus. And so we just, we allow ourselves to buy into that experience. Which is why it says, come to God like you're a child. Because they are much better at buying into that. The, the older we get, the more we're told that our emotions aren't real. That only hard fact is real. And that emotions and feelings are, are tacky or trivial or immature. Or that they aren't how we should live. Or No, no, no. God resides in our thinking and in our feelings and in our emotions and our imaginations. We pray and visualize ourselves with the Father. And then one by one... Now, it uses Father and Jesus interchangeably in these notes. Pick one. If you had an awful experience with a father figure, God can be a mother to you. But Jesus came and was a man, but God the Father is a, like it's just the way that we characterize God in scripture because it was written in a patriarchal culture. But God is not gendered. We are both male and female made in his image. So if you need to visualize God as a mother, go nuts. You're not going to get excommunicated. communicated. He's not going to be like, "Okay, now that we've dealt with this, we're going to deal with your wrong picture of me." But like that's just not how it works. God wants to meet you where you're at. So picture God with you, for Jesus with you and hand those things over to him. So literally take your paper and hand them over to him. One by one, imagine that giving those anxieties, those fears, those those traumas, those troubles, those doubts, over to him. This exercise should create a mental snapshot of Jesus or God or doing exactly what he says he will do in the scriptures that we read earlier. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So we cast these things over. We hand these things over to God. By handing them over to him, we express our trust and his ability to take care of us and to strengthen us and to take those things. Then it says, once you've given all your anxieties to Jesus in prayer, take the things you've written down and rip them up. If you're you're in a very controlled environment and you don't want to set fire to things, burn them. Do whatever you want with them. Do something to say, I have handed these things over and they no longer haunt me and no longer have control or power over me because Jesus is in control. God is my Father who loves me and I cast my cares and my anxieties and my concerns over to Him. It symbolises that our anxiety has been given to Jesus and that we are now released from the weight and the responsibility of their, of that burden. And I, I, like, I know that like exercises like this can seem weird, but the idea is to take what is a very linear bullet point thing and to make it a practice so that we don't sit there with our list and go through a bullet point by bullet point, that we learn how to come to God and say, God, I'm worried. I want to hand that over to you. So we come up with a way to, this is just trying to teach you some basic ideas of how to pray. I have another handout. Um, we'll probably, I'll probably finish this up, this series next week. And it talks about how to hand unforgiveness over. And it talks about how to um, talk to God about your identity and who you are. And so just a few other example kind of conversations you can have as part of a practice of prayer. Um, I think that we'll probably do a liturgy type thing um, that talks about how to pray through the scriptures and things as well. There's a whole bunch of stuff about that people have been doing this in church history for literally thousands of years so there's lots and lots of resources this is just a simple tool uh, uh, so i might pray uh, and we'll we'll wrap up there heavenly father i want to thank you that you desire to meet with us and to recalibrate our thinking to help us to take our thoughts captive and to submit them to your will to your truth to your righteousness to your uh, idea of what is good Instead of just being caught up in our own idea of what is good and what is true. I pray we would submit it to you. Heavenly Father, help us to, um, to understand that you made our emotions and our imaginations and our feelings and our thoughts. And that you desire to be involved in those things. And to set aside our doubts or our fears about that process. And just embrace that you want to connect with us and you want to love us and you want to embrace us. So I pray as we go through these prayer practices from the last few weeks that we would really be able to uh, feel your presence and know you and, and find healing and find a release from anxiety and stress. I ask your blessing. And I thank you uh, for all of the wonderful, great things that we have in our lives and just how fortunate we are, God. I pray your, your kingdom come, Lord, that those who really truly need to be comforted would be comforted, those who mourn, uh, Lord, that I pray that you would really be setting people free you know, in a literal sense from the bondage that, that they are in, imprisoned in, in in, in by governments and by, by people, but also in the bondage that they are by lies and mistruths in their own heart and life. I pray that you would give us great joy. In Jesus' name. Amen.